Welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast about podcasting, where I talk to other podcasts about podcasts, something like that. I, I'm your host, Chris Enns. You can find the show online at goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. For this episode, I've got Jared Morris. He hosts the Showrunner podcast, which is a podcast about podcasts as well. So we have a battle. He hosted over on the rainmaker.fm platform. So we talk a bit about that. We talk about the showrunner course that you can learn about how to podcast and just talk about some of the ideas, inspirations for storytelling through your podcast. What benefit are you going to bring to your audience and things like that. Thoughts that might inspire and motivate you in your own podcasting efforts and journey. We'll have a brief break for a sponsor and then enjoy the show. Before we get into the show, I just want to thank FeedPress for sponsoring this episode of Show Me Your Mic. FeedPress is analytics and podcast hosting made for bloggers and podcasters. So if you're listening to this show, looking for podcast hosting and or feed analytics stats, that kind of thing for your podcast or your blog, check out feed.press slash SMYM today and sign up to try FeedPress for 14 days. FeedPress is a simple, intuitive and powerful RSS analytics and podcasting hosting platform. They feature powerful subscriber and podcast download tracking, integrated newsletters, automated publishing to popular social networks, a slick drag and drop podcast hosting interface, and everything you need in order to submit an optimized feed to iTunes. With 250 megabytes of flexible file storage that rolls over monthly, you can easily upload up to four episodes, give or take a month. Upgrading your storage is easy and affordable, starting at a flat rate of just $20 for one gigabyte. So as I said earlier, visit feed.press slash SMYM today and sign up to try FeedPress for 14 days, no contracts or commitments. Be sure to use promo code SMYM during your checkout to get 10% off your first year. Now on with my chat with Jared. I was brainstorming for like, uh, as, as, as many podcasters do, I'm sure like I should teach people how to podcast and that's part of why you're here obviously, but mm-hmm. which is a good noble thing to do. <laughs> but then you obviously as a nerd, a web nerd, the first thing you do is like, well, I got to get a domain cause that's where you yeah. go. And so then I spent an hour on hover, not a sponsor, but just hover <laughs> to, uh, trying to figure out a domain and then like, and then I ended up actually not doing anything cause that's as far as I got, I got stymied on should I do podcast.club podcast dot now there's too many yeah. domains. so yeah, yeah there really are too many options yeah anyways I digress welcome to the show Jared and uh, it's great to have you here thank you Chris I'm excited to be here and uh, your podcast is, that we're chatting about is the showrunner podcast which is part of the rainmaker.fm podcast network uh, but just before we get into some of that stuff what's your sort of background in podcasting and where did you come from and how did you arrive at this moment in time on Skype? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, you know, I, I the first podcast I ever did was for the site Midwest Sports Fans that I ran back in like 2008, 2009, and just you know did like some fantasy football advice, did some sports interviews, that kind of thing. But someone asked me this on another show, and actually, I remembered that like way all the way back in high school, like my buddies and I used to like write out these scripts and then record these ridiculous like stories of us like doing crazy things which I didn't I never really thought about before but that was actually like I guess the first podcast I ever created were these completely silly adventures we called them and uh, somewhere there's a CD that still has these mp3s on them 
which we have to make sure never gets out to anybody. But at some reunion in 20 years, we're going to listen to and think they're really funny. So, you know, I've always really enjoyed, um, you know, creating audio and, and telling stories via audio. And so that's kind of where it started. And then it really became more of a professional endeavor um, a few years back. And so now, like you said, running the showrunner, which, you know, teaches people how to do all this stuff and running four other shows at the same time. So I guess you could say I'm obsessed, but it's <laughs> an obsession with something that I truly, truly love and enjoy. So that makes it okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and, and so the showrunner podcast is now about 20 episodes in uh, Rainmaker launched, was it earlier this year or last year already now? If time flies here, but. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was earlier. What are we in August? Yeah, it was uh, March, April of this year. Yeah, that's what I felt like. So, yeah, um, and uh, it's a well. First of all, gorgeous-looking platform built, of course, on the Genesis framework, if I'm not mistaken. And thank, you. yeah, Rainmaker yeah. FM is actually built on the Rainmaker platform. Um, it's oh, it's right. kind of yeah. It, well, it I gets get a little complicated with yeah. how it's all split up. I know it's okay. <laughs> G- Genesis is kind of the theme. It's the theme framework that's over on StudioPress.com, and then uh, the Rainmaker platform is actually. It's basically all of CopyBlogger's uh, products plus a bunch of other stuff built into one turnkey platform. And so, and we built Rainmaker FM on it because one of the features of the platform is a podcast network. Right. And that's where, I guess, for folks who are wondering and curious, let's start with there. I'll go uh, network down to show, I guess, in terms of how we're going to chat. But with, if, um, when someone wants to set up a podcast, either a site or a network as a whole, that's what Rainmaker could do for them as a basically like you said turnkey and you're up and going aside from all the <laughs> the work of creating podcasts artwork etc but that's the the platform that they could look to right right and and that's really the goal is you're right you know creating the episodes and the artwork and and we know how much it takes to actually produce podcast episodes to actually produce the shows and the whole point of the platform for podcasters or anyone else who's creating content with the goal really of transacting digital business is the platform is meant to take a lot of the technology headaches out of there. So instead of having to worry about hosting and security and updates and a landing page plugin and a membership plugin and all these different parts and pieces for what you want to do, it's all there in Rainmaker. So that whether you're blogging, whether you're using a podcast or whatever your content is, you've got Rainmaker there as the backbone to help you build an audience and then monetize that audience, including building a course in there. So it just kind of, it, it removes all the pain points and all the complications of trying to piece all this stuff together with plugins and all the other stuff that you need to do it and just puts it all there in one place and makes it real convenient so that content creators and online business people can focus on content and online business, not the technology part. And to be clear too with that, like this is a, um, a, a service or a site that costs does cost money, like you're paying yes. for it. It's not a... Uh, it, people sort of associate WordPress based stuff with being free. And so this is a thing where assuming you're making money with your thing, then you might want to pay for a rainmaker, which would help you make, well, help you make more money. But obviously, like you said, remove a lot of the stress and pain and, and just frustration of running a site and allow you to just get your content out there and work on the content, which is hopefully the reason why you're doing it. Maybe the fun part, maybe yeah. you love working with WordPress and stuff and 
I do in my day job, but it's definitely not why I got into podcasting. That's for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You sum that up well. Plugins. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just to sort of folks are run, wondering, you can go check out links, obviously, on rain, rainmakerplatform.com, but uh, starting around $80 a month, $950 a year, you know, on up and stuff for different plans and stuff. And um, I don't know if you want to cover some of that, the plan options or not, if it's worth getting into that detail, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I can just give a brief overview. I mean, I think the thing to understand with the platform is it's not a beginner's platform. I mean, certainly, you know, you can use it as a beginner's platform if you want to, but I really think it's for people who, you know, who know where they're going to take their digital business and where they're going to take their content. Um, you know, the standard plan, you know, if you pay annually, it's around, you know, 79, 80 bucks a month. And, and then there's the pro plan, which adds the learning management system and the marketing automation tools to it. Uh, which I love using. Um, you know, obviously, we put those to good use with the showrunner. I'm using them on some of my other sites as well. And so if you're thinking about a course, if you want to add marketing automation to it, then looking at Pro uh, is a good idea. Otherwise, everything else is included in the standard plan. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the best thing for, for folks to do if they're interested is take us up on the offer for the 14-day trial. Give it a shot. Look in the back end. See how everything works together. And that'll give you the best idea of whether it's the right fit for you. Yeah. And that's where I think often people, uh, I know I was like a four or five years ago when I was getting into podcasting, I'd investigate every new platform that came along and want to try it out or mess around with it and, and, you know, hit the buttons and the dials. But that's where this is something where it's maybe not your, like, obviously if you have a big business plan around it, but maybe not your first podcast in, in terms of listeners of this show. Anyways, your first podcast would be necessarily on here, but maybe you've got a platform already that you want to move to this, um, if it sounds like I'm I'm prefacing everything and warning people, I just I know I'm I'm prone to that where I'll like rush into something and then blame the platform for the issues when it's really like my own struggles or things that are getting in the way. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you preface it like that. I mean that that's that's an issue is it's like anything else, you know, it's it's what are our expectations. Um, and so I think having the right expectations are important. And yeah, it's, it, you know, changing your platform is not something that you want to rush into, uh, no matter what it is. You know, even someone who's looking to change to Rainmaker, I wouldn't say rush and do it today. I mean, you want to investigate it and make sure it's the right fit for you. And I know for me and, and for a lot of people that obviously that we work with, a lot of people that we work with inside the showrunner course and on the podcast, it's proven to be a great fit. And the way to know is to just to check it out, see what it has, you know, get in there, poke around. Um, but I think, again, you know, for those folks who, you know, like you were saying, you know, don't want to have to mess with all the plugins and do all of that and just want good solutions for all the parts and pieces of building an online platform, it's a great fit. And so, and it'll really allow you to focus on the content, which for most of us is what we really want to be doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. Can you, I know you do other podcasts outside of this and is there a way to sort of uh, quantify or give an example of a few things maybe that folks who haven't tried it or are tempted to try the 14 day trial, let's say, what's something you miss when you're not using this platform, let's say, and you're just using, doing your own show or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, I, I think a big part of what the platform is allowing people to do is build membership sites and go to the next level of engagement. I know it's like one of my side projects is uh, it's a project called The Assembly Call. I'm a huge Indiana basketball fan. So this is a post-game show that we do after every Indiana game. And we do it live as Google Hangout and then we post it as a podcast. And we're getting ready to enter our fifth season doing it. And my big goal this offseason has been to put the features of the Rainmaker platform to use so that we're ready when the season starts 
to really capitalize on our audience and take it to the next level. And so what I mean by that is we've got a great email list right now, you know, over a thousand strong. It's the biggest email list among any Indiana basketball site. But now we want to go to the next level to where it's not just people on an email list, but actually people inside of a membership site and they log in so that we can give them a logged in experience, which means that if someone comes to, let, let's say we want to trigger after, after they visit two or three certain pages, we can send them an automated email that, sh- that sends them to our support page. You know, so obviously this is a person who's been here a couple times. They like what we're doing. Let's let them know how they can support the site. You know, I'm using the LMS, the learning management system, to build a 50 greatest Hoosiers of all time series. And it's set up kind of like a course, you know, and uh, kind of to educate the younger fans on the tradition of Indiana basketball. And these are all things that without Rainmaker, I would never be able to do because I just, you know, putting the parts and pieces together, all of that complication, I don't have enough time to invest in this project to do that. But with everything there, I can actually invest all of my time in the content and now add these additional parts and pieces to make it not just a podcast, but a real show and a real community. And, and you know, so I, I can't wait to see how that will impact what we're doing next season. And so that's just kind of an example of what you can do and how it kind of expands your thinking from just creating podcast episodes to creating an actual community around your show. Yeah, I think that's the part that's exciting for any podcaster out there listening who struggles with connecting all the different pieces. Because every podcaster, I'm sure, who's who's listening to this show is well aware of free services or nearly free services they could cobble together and, you know, put your mailing list here and your service learning stuff over here. And you can, you can do all that uh, and connect all the dots. And just like I said, with upgrading WordPress plugins, it's doable. It's certainly not uh, like going and mining for rock or something for a living or whatever. <laughs> we are just sitting in front of a computer, but for the whatever, again, like a hundred dollars a month or whatever, give or take whichever plan you end up taking. But that, that idea is pretty attractive as far as um, not having to worry about all those pieces getting connected together and maintaining those and hoping they stay in sync and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not, I guess I should also preface this. I'm not a user of Rainmaker. I'm not a, this is an affiliate thing. <laughs> I, I, I came across it a while ago and I, I emailed somebody there cause I was curious about it just from a podcast network owner's standpoint as to how it all might work. And and then you and I are, are chatting now just indirectly because of that. But I am excited about anything that makes podcasting easier for podcasters. Um, and so I think that's where Rainmaker, especially again, in that sort of marketing and business, you're, you're either making money or you have a way to uh, fund your hobby if it is such a thing um, with mm-hmm. something like this. And and again, just get, get out there and making podcasts instead of uh, worrying about servers and WordPress stuff. So... In, exactly enough about that but <laughs> the the uh the, the platform itself though looks looks great it's, it's obviously just a web-based thing so you're you're logging in just like you would to like a wordpress a, a account or site that you might have um and then things like um getting a little bit more technical i guess can you like as far as how many episodes can i upload and and storage space and things like that do you know some of those details or is that sort of Outside your uh, yeah, I do. Uh, actually, right now it's unlimited, so that there is <laughs> no way we can do that forever. We've we've actually had some calls where it's like, do you realize that right now these plans are unlimited when it comes to storage? Like at some point, that is not sustainable. It's funny because that's really it's probably one of the underplayed values of the platform that we don't really <laughs> talk up enough, right? Because yeah, at some point, especially for podcasters, there will be some tiers there, but I have no idea when that's going to happen. So. If you're looking to get in, now would be a good time to lock your account in. Because if you lock it in, that won't change. So, 
Yeah, because again, that's where you look at something where you're looking to different hosts, CDNs or whatever for your podcast. That's something we went through here, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is just a pain point too that you you wouldn't have to worry about as well. So, um, yep. and uh, I would assume that based since it it is like the core of it is somewhere deep down is WordPress that importing and exporting your content is easy enough. Like relatively yep. speaking, obviously. If so, if you try it out, do it for a year, and then decide you need to do something else, X, Y, or Z. It's as easy as it would be if you set up your own standalone website because you can uh, export out of WordPress fairly easily. Yeah, and that's a common question people have, and I'm glad people have that question because they're worried about, okay, if I'm building it on this platform, then do I own the content? And that is always a question that we should be asking no matter where our content is. You know, Do I own this? Because as much as we can, we want to be owning our content, not digital sharecropping, which is the term that we use a lot. And yeah, with Rainmaker, you own everything. And the ease of taking it off but bringing it in is is simple. It's a it's a simple process. Um, so yeah, no need to to be afraid of that or anything. That part of it is made very clear and very easy. Yeah, yeah. And looking through, I'll link to the. There's a whole bunch of uh, frequent last questions. I won't just repeat them here on air because people can go read them themselves, obviously. But tons of those kind of questions that you might have about a platform. Uh, can I get my own domain? Is there an API that's coming soon? It says backups. CDN caching, etc., all are asked and answered uh, on the, the frequently asked questions. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, which you can find at goodstuff.fm/smym/slash/119 is this episode. Um, so getting to your specific show, which is uh, you know it's a obviously we're in competition, we're we're mortal enemies here as we're both doing a podcast about podcasting. Yes, <laughs> dueling over listeners. Uh, Tell me about uh, where the showrunner started and, and how you got started, started with it. Yeah, when we were launching Rainmaker FM, we knew that we wanted to do a podcast about podcasting. I knew that I wanted to do it because I knew I host the lead already, which is kind of like the original copy blogger podcast. And so when this opportunity for Rainmaker FM came up, I knew that's what I wanted to talk about because you know I started to run some shows. I thought I had a lot to add. But... You know, as with anything, we wanted our show to be a little bit different. And there are already some great podcasts about podcasting out there. And we didn't want this show to be like those other ones because they do what they do very well. And we wanted to speak speak to a little bit of a different person in a little bit of a different way. And so our big idea with the showrunner is we really want people to see themselves as something bigger than just a podcaster. Now that there's anything wrong with being a podcaster... But I feel like a lot of people, especially when they get down the road, you know, after seven episodes, after 20 episodes, and they get into it, a lot of people fall into the trap of just producing episode after episode. And they're just talking into a mic and they're editing files and they're, you know, creating show notes. And it's almost like a machine that needs to be fed. And we really wanted people to see themselves as a showrunner that is taking an audience on a journey, on an experience, transforming somehow, you know, whatever that is in, in whatever way that is going to be for you and your audience and your show. And so for us, that's what this idea of the showrunner is, is like a Vince Gilligan was the showrunner for Breaking Bad, like a Matthew Weiner is the showrunner for Mad Men and responsible for that audience experience. We want people to think of themselves in the same way. It's not television, it's on-demand audio, but the concepts are the same. And so that's kind of our big idea is help people see themselves as something bigger and then give them obviously the tools and the tactics and the tips and the ideas to actually execute it. Um, you know, so we don't focus as much on gear and the technical side. 
frankly, because that's not our area of expertise. And there are so many other shows out there that already do it well and do it better. You know, where we think we can really provide value is teaching you how to craft a memorable audio experience, how to connect with an audience, how to use a podcast as part of a bigger content marketing strategy that helps you build a business or again, help make your audience part of something bigger, not just a listener, but a true member of your audience, a member of your community. And so we really try and focus on those elements of podcasting because I think ultimately they are the biggest benefits that podcasts provide both to the audience and to the the content creators, the showrunners who are actually behind the mic. Yeah, and I think that's what's great. I for some reason I hadn't even connected the the TV showrunner with your podcast name for whatever reason, but uh, it's obvious in hindsight. <laughs> and as a big fan of the, like the shows you listed and where it is like this that there's a documentary actually on Netflix. I think might just be yeah. called the showrunner. I, I can't remember, but uh, it yeah. is. It's great too. I highly recommend that documentary. Yeah, exactly. And it gives you just that insight into what's actually going on, the passion and the creativity they have for this thing. It's not just like you, you sort of. Maybe I pictured anyways Matthew Weiner or some of the other showrunners like sitting in this booth on high and just kind of checking off the you know the list for the show or whatever and then signing autographs or something. But <laughs> down in the trenches, obviously working really hard at this thing and passionate about this thing that they're trying to create and and that's a perfect uh, analogy in comparison for podcasting. I think because so many of us, myself included, do get apathetic and fall into ruts with this thing that we're doing and you see the numbers and you see the stats and you kind of just sort of go with it and you have fun maybe, but you're, yeah, there isn't that desire to go better and take it to the next level and just improve your medium, even regardless of how big the audience is or business that you're trying to maybe grow around it or whatever. So, yeah. And I think there can be a disconnect there too, because again, we think of that term showrunner, which originated in TV and that's how most people, that's what most people think of when they hear it. And there can be a disconnect because for a lot of us on our podcasts, on our shows, we're not necessarily telling a narrative story, but that doesn't mean that we can't take our audience on a journey or, or, or take them somewhere, that one episode shouldn't flow into the next and give, reason to people, or give people a reason to come back. And I think that's the big idea is make it something bigger than just a series of episodes. Make it a show. And I think you know, in our experience, people who have really seen that and seen themselves in that kind of bigger, bolder, more empowered way, they connect more with their topic and with their idea and with their show and their audience in turn connects more with them. So, so far, you know, the response has been really good and it's just been incredible, especially since we, you know, since we launched a course with it, being able to actually get in there in the trenches with people and work with them on their shows as they're building them from scratch or as they're kind of pivoting them or, you know, trying to breathe new life into an old show. It's been really great to see when this idea connects with people and they, and it really starts to take off. Yeah. And I definitely want to chat a bit about your, your course too, but just in terms of a question and follow up with what you're just were saying is what are just some of the ways, I, I don't know, maybe folks who have a podcast are sort of stuck on the idea of this idea of a narrative, which sounds really appealing and, uh, and like a, like a good idea, obviously. And, but aren't sure maybe how to bring that around into a show that they're, they're actually doing. So like a, well, I have one show that I do is like a daily show. There's just an audio journal for myself. And so it feels a bit easier to find a way to do a narrative sort of from one episode to the next with that, obviously. And I, I would guess just in terms of a little, 
uh, rabbit trail off to the side. For myself, I, I noticed a big improvement in being able to do that when I, it's called daily-ish, premise being that it was sometimes daily and sometimes a little more ish. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and lately it had yeah. been more ish. And so this, for August, I forced myself to just do an, an episode daily, Monday to Friday in, in August. And that's definitely helped in terms of being able to tell a bit more of a ongoing story. Because I remember, for one, what happened the day before or the episode before where the listener yeah. probably would because they would just listen to it and then right away hit play the next one. But for me, it was like a week ago or two weeks ago in, in my timeline. Um, but in terms of other podcasts that are out there, what are some of the ways that, without revealing all your secrets, but <laughs> a little tease maybe, of sort of getting around that idea of, of telling a story and a narrative to your show? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to give away any secrets if I have them. No <laughs> problem there. And we should get back to talking about the daily thing because I actually started a daily show myself uh, oh, nice. just this past month. So we can probably compare some notes because that is... That is a unique beast all its own, (laughs) as I'm sure as you know and as I'm learning. But, you know, I think narrative may be the wrong word because it doesn't necessarily need to be a story, but what there needs to be is a thread. And and I think that's what we should be looking at with our shows is really have an idea, okay, when someone listens to my show, they listen to one episode, and if I can get them to listen to two, and if I can get them to listen to five or ten, why are they better? You know, what how is this useful to them? Is it, is it entertaining? Is it allowing them to escape? Is it educating them on something so that after five or 10 episodes now, they are better at this specific thing? Is it meant to inspire them? And I think the best podcasts do all three of those things at once, but the truly best ones really understand what their primary element of usefulness is and make sure that they give that to their audience above and beyond anything else, and that it progresses. You know, we want people, no matter what episode you come to with the showrunner, we want you to, to understand some individual element of podcasting better. And we hope that at the same time that people are entertained and hopefully inspired by, you know, John, the, the banter that we have and kind of the way that we view the world, but we know people are coming to learn something about podcasting. And we hope you learn enough that you'll be intrigued to go back and look at the archives, that you'll subscribe and keep listening, and that for however long you give us the privilege of talking to you on the showrunner, that at the end of that, you feel like you're better at it. You feel like you understand this idea of showrunning and the concepts of podcasting better. And I don't think you can really do that if you're haphazard, if you're going through the motions, if you're just trying to fulfill a schedule that you've started. I think you've really got to look at this from an audience-focused standpoint and say, what benefit am I going to bring to these people, to this audience that I'm going to build? And then make sure that all of your decisions in terms of content fulfill that. And I think sometimes if, you know, if, it, if it feels stagnant, if the audience isn't connecting I would go back to those elements of usefulness. And are you giving people what they expect and what they want? Are you giving them enough? Are you progressing from one episode to the next so it feels like a journey and not just standing still? And I think that that thread, it doesn't have to be a narrative. If it can be a narrative, that's great. But that thread, I think, is what's really important for people who want to have long-term success. And you, know, you and I both know, we, you've probably started shows you know, like I have that have failed after six, seven episodes, it happens. Like it's just, I think it's part of the process. Um, but those shows that really last and go on, it's because the audience stays connected and the content creator stays connected to the content and the audience. And I think there's got to be a journey and a transformation on the part of both people that happens. Yeah, that's the part I think that's undervalued by a lot of podcasters. And I'm preaching to myself here, if anybody, if nothing else, because 
I often feel like I'm just throwing this thing out. It's a fun thing I do. Like I mentioned with the daily podcast, like it's a thing for me. And if you happen to listen, great, but this is mm-hmm. kind of just an experiment for me. But at some point it does flip from whether it's episode five or episode 50, it does flip to like, okay, now I actually want to do this and uh, let's hope the listeners are sticking around and why would they? And, and then you work through some of those things. I think it doesn't have to always be, um, I don't, this isn't what you're saying either, but it doesn't have to be like before you start your show, you have to have all this stuff figured out. But, right. but at some point you're going to f- want to flip that switch from passive to aggressive maybe or whatever. You, uh, there's probably a better term for it, but where you're actually uh, intentional, I guess. And that's, I think, something you said too, mm-hmm. where you're not just going through the motions with it and figuring out why someone would actually want to listen to this thing. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's, it's, uh, I'm blessed uh, with a wife who listens to some of my shows and, and it provides me honest feedback that it helps me step outside of my little bubble of I'm so great and everybody wants to listen to me. And she sometimes with, you know, a loving touch says, that was kind of dumb what you did there. And I don't really want to listen to that or whatever. Oh, that sounds so familiar. (laughs) And I mean, luckily she doesn't listen to this one. Yeah. (laughs) She's not interested in more podcasting. She probably wants less podcasting, but um, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you made that distinction too cuz you're right, you don't need to have that stuff figured out at the beginning. In fact, you probably won't. I mean, you know, the, I think a show needs to start with a hypothesis, but there's also a problem too with where we get so ingrained with what a show is going to be and has to be in our own minds that we don't allow it to live and breathe. You know, the assembly call for example started out one way as a call-in show for fans and we realized based on the feedback people didn't want to listen to other people calling in. They wanted to listen to us talk about the team. And, you know, we started that show because we wanted to talk about IU games after they were over. The only reason that it's gone on four years is because of the connection and because people email us throughout the season from other countries that tell us how much the show means to them because they can't watch the game, but they can still connect because they can watch our show. And so I think a lot of shows start out because we as the content creators want to do something. Like my daily show started out because I thought it would be an interesting idea to get up and do a live show that I turned into a podcast every day at 6.30 Central Time. Now, I had an idea that I wanted to talk about and a vague notion of what kind of transformation that could lead to, but it's not until now that I'm 20 episodes in it's starting to connect with an audience that it's really becoming more about the audience than my own individual reasons for why I wanted to do it. So a lot of shows start out that way because I think it needs to be driven by this truly authentic passion for the topic that we have where it's like, I've got things to say. I need to say them. Give me a mic. But if that's all it ever becomes, I think that's why shows don't last past seven to 20 episodes. And again, it's when that authentic connection that we have for the topic connects with an audience and then we develop an authentic connection with the audience. That's the sweet spot where now you really start to roll and that feedback loop is open and you're creating better content for the audience. You're getting more feedback from them and it just you know, it coalesces into something really great. And I think the best shows really have that. Yeah, and that's right. I think, well, like this show, Show Me Your Mic, started as kind of a joke thing that I was like, well, I want to talk to podcasters, so I'll just start a show <laughs> podcasting and I had a couple of friends and you know, ran through a list of 10 to 20 people that I wanted to talk to and use this as a platform to be able to chat with them. But that wasn't really going to go anywhere once I ran out of my, either my friends or the people who I aspired to chat with. And, and so I, at some point, I forget which episode exactly, but uh, it sort of started to feel stale. And for me, it was a matter of changing the music, which is a simple thing, but just helped me sort of get in a different headspace for recording and editing the show. But then also opening up to like podcasters wanting to submit 
to be on the show or not submit. I, I always use that word, but it's uh, uh, apply or not, that's even worse. But anyways, <laughs> have an open call basically to podcasters to come on the show. Yeah. And and then it's kind of like a, a, a platform to discuss and chat and for me to learn a lot about other podcasts and hopefully listeners come along with that journey. But but yeah, if I had stayed the way it was, I kind of would have fizzled out around 20 and probably just stopped because there wasn't any more motivation for me to keep going because I'd interviewed everybody aside from a couple who wouldn't return my emails that, that I wanted yeah. to on the show. And so, um, but yeah, it's, and going to the daily show, that's where it's a, that's an interesting vehicle and beast on its own, like you said, cause, um, it's, it's a challenge. I don't know how you find it, but I find it a challenge to monologue. Basically I aim for like a 10, 10 minutes or less episode. So it's, mm-hmm. I can cheat and get away with some pretty, I was away on a bit of a holiday these last couple of days. And so I allowed myself just to chat to my iPhone for, five minutes and and then publish that and listeners probably suffered for it but uh but how do you find i guess your motivation for doing that show day after day after day well let me preface it by saying i'm still early in the process so you know i started it on july 14th which was my birthday and you know my fiance heather who I live with, we have a house together, you know, she was away on work and I probably, I don't know that I would have started if she was here. I I don't know. There was just, you know, but there's something about when you kind of have the freedom and, you know, I woke up and you wake up by myself so I can try these ridiculous ideas because my big thing was I didn't necessarily want to tell anybody this (laughs) just in case I did it for like three days. I'm like, what was I thinking? Totally. (laughs) You know? And so, you know, it's this idea that I've had for a long time. And the basic idea is primility, balancing pride and humility as kind of this framework for leading to a better life and leading to more self-awareness and better decisions. That's the big idea. It's always meant a lot to me. I launched a site in like 2010, have never had a coherent focus with it, you know, have always said like, okay, I'm going to blog Tuesdays and Thursdays, and now I'm going to do a newsletter on Sunday. And every single commitment that I've made, I haven't really kept because it hasn't felt right. And... You know, so I so I, I finally thought, okay, I've wanted to do this daily show, and frankly, I think it would be good. I work from home. I think it would be good to have something to wake up and shower for in the morning because I feel like it would get my day off to the right start. And I was like, what motivates me to like shower and be presentable and be prepared? And I thought, you know, every time I have a webinar scheduled or a live event scheduled. I'm there, I'm ready to go, and I'm prepared. So what if I just had something every day at 6.30 Central Time or 7, or you know, the time wasn't important, but what if I have something every morning that made me go to sleep earlier, get up early, get ready to go? I was like, so let me just play to my strengths. I'm going to schedule a Google Hangout every day at 6.30, and I'm just going to talk about this idea, same as you, like 8 to 10 minutes. And I think the biggest mental hurdle I had to get over was I had to just admit to myself sometimes these episodes are going to suck. <laughs> you know, like it's every day. I'm not always going to have it planned out. Some days it may not be great, but that's okay because I'll get better as I go. It'll be good enough and let's just see what happens and let's not make any public commitment. So if I do it for a couple days and it doesn't fit, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't work, I can stop. And if it works, I'll keep it going. And what I found is that I love it. And those initial motivations, you know, of having an anchor for my morning and all this stuff, they were really good to get me moving and, you know, to kind of get me over the hump to say, okay, here's why I should start this. But now I feel such a deeper connection to the topic. I find myself throughout the day, you know, looking for 
stories that I can tell that illustrate it and little points that I can make and ideas and just filling up my Evernote because everything is a potential show topic when it's only eight to 10 minutes long and you know people are starting to listen to it and there's an audience and it's so now I'm connecting with it in a much more authentic way. I had to kind of you know play games with myself mentally to start it, but there's something about that discipline of the daily show now that I'm in it that I just love because you know I've put together now I think we I've published 22 episodes as of today with you know you and me talking and there's no way I would have done any of that without having the daily show and yet because I sat down and had to do it I produced some pretty good stuff you know no no clever pun intended there <laughs> oh yeah no that happens a lot on here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I can certainly um, identify with it because that's like when I flipped it just for like I said the August challenge to myself and I didn't I mean, I think I published or talked about it the episode before August or whatever, but, um, yeah, the daily thing, it does free you up. Like you said, to not worry about every single episode. Cause there's another one tomorrow. And also that desire to like, it was, it would have been very easy for me to just even, and I think my listeners would have, uh, forgiven me and they're not really that worried about whether it actually is daily or not, but I could have taken the last couple of days off, but you know, I went through a few extra hoops, used up some of my data bandwidth on my phone or whatever to upload in a remote area and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it, it does create like this, a uh, bit of urgency and a bit of like a, especially if you're a person who works for yourself or works from home, I find anyways, without any sort of external constraints, I just wander. And so having this daily thing rather than sitting, like I said on the show a couple episodes ago, rather than sitting and waiting for inspiration to hit, I have to do something and I have to find that inspiration. It could be, like you said, sucky and really meta and like complaining about the fact that you have no inspiration and but then knowing that tomorrow something else will come up and yeah so well and i'll tell you what you know that green light going on or knowing you have to hit the record button it it puts a special kind of pressure on us as content creators that i think in a lot of ways is good you know and and same as you i think you put it really well there you know working from home you know kind of when you work for yourself it's, you know, having that kind of structure, you know, that kind of kind of daily signpost that you have to come back to, I think it can be really beneficial. And again, those are kind of selfish reasons to, to try a daily type show. But I've seen so many personal benefits from it. And now the audience is really starting to connect to it. And I'll tell you the one, the, the big benefit, especially when your audience sees that you keep that kind of schedule, I think there is a special a special trust that's built. You know, every day when you just keep showing up and they know that you're there, even if they don't listen every day, they know you're doing it. And there's a respect there that I think is important and really helps people connect with a show like that. So it's not something to just jump into or to do as your first show. I mean, I feel like I'm succeeding at it to whatever level I am in part because it's like the 11th, 12th show that I've launched, you know? So that helps to have that basis of experience. But I think there's so many benefits of it on both sides. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing where the journey goes. But it's, it's fun. It's yeah. definitely fun. I'm enjoying it. And just a, a bit on that, we'll go a little bit deeper on that one. For On the technical side, what I found, uh, how have you, using video as well as audio, like you, you publish it as an iTunes or podcast as well as video or just mm-hmm. video? Yes. So I do, I do it as a Google Hangout. And while the Google Hangout is recording, I simultaneously record locally into GarageBand because Google Hangouts are great, but the audio that you get from them isn't as good as I want or obviously as good as I can get locally. 
So the video lives out there and I post the video on the show page, but the actual audio that I use is recorded locally into GarageBand, you know, drop that between my bumper music and then upload the MP3 as a podcast. So people can watch live. It, you know, obviously 99.9% of people aren't watching it live. They're listening to the podcast. So then that's available and I can get it up usually, you know, 10 minutes after the recording is done, you know, cause I've got my GarageBand template and it's pretty easy to, to do that part of it. Yeah. And that's what's interesting too, is the, the aspect of it, like you said, you know, most of the listeners are listening audio, not necessarily watching live and maybe even not watching video necessarily. Like I would guess audio, audio is probably primarily the, the main vehicle for people, especially if you're an established audio podcaster without mm-hmm. a YouTube platform, that's probably going to be the case. But, um, but it is still like pushing yourself to do that live video hangout. Like you said earlier, requires you to be dressed and showered and <laughs> yeah it things. does you know and i mean it's starting to create you know because i don't have a youtube platform but putting a new video in youtube every day i mean that's obviously a big search engine yeah. and i've never really used youtube to try and build an audience before and so in part i was kind of curious how that would work and so you know putting a new video in there every day is having some benefits and those will live out there and hopefully you know just gain different viewers over time um, and I'm trying to take a, a much, you know, a longer term view, especially, and I think most podcasters face this, especially early, you know, we want to start seeing those download numbers rise and we want to get those audience numbers up. And I've just learned that it's so much better if you can really be patient, especially early on and not try and, you know, chase the big download numbers, but really set yourself up, you know, for success in the long term. And so I think having all these different tentacles from one recording session, I think is really going to help long term just kind of spread how far the idea goes. Yeah, it's interesting you're doing that because I'm with my daily show. I've been audio only, and uh, actually just today, not knowing not knowing that you were going to be talking about this, I recorded a video version of it while I recorded, not live on Hangout, but just did you know a quick time quick recording while I did the audio thing. And, yeah, and quick, set up a quick YouTube channel. I haven't published it. If someone goes searching, they could find it, I guess, but it's got zero subscribers zero watches and just as an experiment to see okay how much extra time does this actually take um and that's again where i was going to say like you doing it right onto uh, google hangouts saves you that step of having to upload video which is Mm -hmm. a big time crunch or time suck to be honest because it does just take time to export from final cut or imovie or whatever um, and then you, you know, you, like you said, you lose a little bit of quality in the compression, but that's not really why people are tuning in. It isn't for like pristine 1080p video of your right. morning, morning face. <laughs> no yeah. Offense. I mean, it's just me <laughs> sitting in front of the camera. Like there's nothing dynamic yeah. about it at all. I, you know, I'll tell you what though, it's interesting. And, and you know, the whole idea from this came with what we're doing at the assembly call, because that was the first time I'd really done a video like this and used hangouts. And, and what we found from the post game show is probably I mean, it's probably only 5 to 10% of our listenership actually watches the live video live. The vast majority of the people are listening on the podcast the next day. Yeah. But what it does is it gives your hardcore, hardcore people another way to connect with you on a deeper level because obviously there's, just, there's more communication happening in a video. People can see your face. They can see how you move. And there's something about being there live. It's like this commitment that people are making with you. Hey, you're going to be up at 6.30 in the morning. I will be here at 6.30. I'm not waiting for the podcast at 7. I want to be here right when you do this. You know, I don't want to wait for the, for the podcast in the morning. I want to show up right after the show because that's where the hardcore people are. And I do think you know, it's, it's a really useful tool when you're trying to build an audience to make sure that you have ways 
for your listeners to become audience members, for your audience members to become subscribers, and for your subscribers to become your hardcore people, possibly even your customers. I think if you're not giving people those clear opportunities for how do you progress further in these, you know, copy blog, we call them like the circles of belief. You know, how do you go from one circle of belief to the next one? You know, if those aren't really obvious, people can't take them. But people want to take them. They want to be part of a community. They want, you know, when they like your content, they want to connect with you more, possibly get more access to you. But you don't want to give just anybody access. You know, you want people to have to kind of earn it because your time is valuable. So I found that having those different elements, even just in how people can consume your content, really helps develop this multi-layered audience that... I think really helps the show grow and helps you keep your motivation high as you go through it. Yeah. I think that's where um, something, what you said about like letting your audience see your face, which is something I think audio podcasters undervalue a lot. Even if it's just an Instagram photo of you recording your show or all the way to like a video stream of some sort that you do, whatever it is, element is in between there. There's actually going way back, this will date me a little bit, but um, I remember reading a biography of Guns N' Roses and back in the late eighties or the night, well, the book probably came out in the nineties, but, um, and when they released, they had, you know, there's, they had some good songs they were touring in LA and they put out the video. I think it was for uh, welcome to the jungle and which was one of their big, you know, hit singles or whatever, but the video for it back in the day when people actually watched music videos, video for it was like a concert footage and showed, um, I could be mixing up the song here. So forgive me if I'm wrong, but anyways, the, sh- the video showed the concert of all these rabid guns and roses fans. And so the, you know, the lone nerd sitting at home in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan or wherever you happen to be in the world saw this audience also that was watching this band. And it's kind of like, like, Hey, this is who you are. You're mm-hmm. a part of this tribe now to use an overused marketing term, but back then it probably wasn't, but, yeah. um, you know, this is who, this is your people like it or not. And, uh, and there are more of you out there kind of thing. And, and I think that's where the, the hangout idea, like whether it's an on-air hangout, we do a lot of live streaming here of audio here with a IRC chat room. That's kind of geeky and nerdy to get into, mm-hmm. but, but it does pay off. Even if it's just five people, those are, like you said, hardcore listeners and you want to kind of reward those folks who are willing to go a little deeper. And, Generally, they tend to bring along their friends with them too, and and uh, mm-hmm. slowly, um, and so you you kind of want to have a place for them to to geek out with you, as it were. You do, and I think it's really important on top of that to understand that people don't typically want to be first. You know, there's a there's a, a really famous video. Is it uh, Derek Sivers? I think it's a TED Talk or something where he shows this video of. You know, this one person kind of dancing all crazy at a concert. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then finally, like a couple of other people like get over and start doing it. And then it creates this just big wave where everybody's dancing all crazy. You know, and a lot of times people don't want to be the first. They may not necessarily want to be the second or the third. But then when they see a lot of other people doing it, they're like, oh, what's this? Okay, let me go check it out. And that's why sometimes we get so focused on getting to, you know, a hundred subscribers and a thousand subscribers that when we get two or three, we think, oh, that's really nothing. But it's huge. You know, like when you get those first people that show up for your live chat or that watch your live show or that share your stuff on Twitter, you know, those are people to cherish and relationships to cultivate because it takes a lot of courage in anything really to be to be first or to be one of the first. And so, you know, because I know I uh, was I was a recent episode of Podcast Answer Man, um, and and he talked about that where you know a lot of times we look you know a lot of the questions that, that Cliff will get Cliff Ravenscraft that he'll get 
you know, a resolver, you know, revolve around how do I get to my next thousand people? Well, instead of worrying about your next thousand people, go re-engage the hundred or the thousand that you have, you know, or, mm-hmm. or really work with those first couple of people because they'll end up, I mean, with the assembly call, some of the people who were there for our very first shows are still the people who show up every single game, you know, that spread the word, you know, for us to other people. And I really think it's a big mistake that I see podcasters make is being so focused on six months from now having a thousand downloads and forgetting how important it is to nurture the first few relationships that you get now, if it's ever going to grow into that. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll just put a link in the show. It says episode 414, I think is what you're talking about of podcast answer man, which looks yeah. like it was a talk at podcast movement, which I know you guys were at as yeah. well down somewhere in the States. I forget where exactly, but, uh, yeah, right over here in Fort worth. Right. And I thought it was, I was going to say Texas, but I couldn't mm-hmm. remember for sure and didn't want to upset a Texan. Um, <laughs> I'm not originally a Texan. I'm just living here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's, uh, again, not to harp too much on the daily show, but I, that's where I have one listener, one lone list. Uh, there's more listeners, sorry, but I have one listener who actually follows through the discusses episode link that we put on every episode and leaves a comment on that show and will give me some feedback and it's great like and for a while i was like that i was like oh man there's just one i shouldn't be bothering but then i was like well no this is still i'll i'll engage with her and chat and she's a listener just like anybody else and eventually Mm -hmm. some other folks may join her or may not may not but that's a starting point you have to sort of start somewhere and yeah it's yeah a relationship you're building with that one person and there, the way you handle that one relationship, I think also will show others that it's safe to engage in this community, safe to be a part of it. You're not going to get made fun of. You're not going to get laughed at, mocked, made, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you're going to be treated well by this community, hopefully that you're thinking about joining in. Cause it, like I said, on my one, one of my episodes, it's a lot of work for somebody to actually comment on an episode. If they're not like, unless it's a live hangout thing where they're logging in, but if you think of listening to a podcast on your iPhone or whatever, and you're walking around, that's not an easy task to go and leave a comment, whatever method of commenting you might have. We happen to use subreddit on Reddit, but um, Mm -hmm. whatever method it is, it's still going to be a hassle to leave a comment where most people are listening to their podcast. So if you do get someone to leave a comment, more power to you and and really, uh, I think go deep with that person or people who are willing to go to that level with your show. So yeah, well said, totally agree. Um, the course, uh, that you guys are also, uh, would, I don't, I want, I don't want to use the wrong word affiliated or, or working with, or you are, you are the course. Is that like the show? We runner? are the course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So> it is us. <laughs> the showrunner podcasting course. Like I said, with mm-hmm. the beginning of the show, everybody who, not everybody, but a lot of people who podcast tend to want to do something like this. You guys have obviously done it really well. It looks like, uh, what can folks expect if they're looking to get into podcasting or, or what kind of person should be looking at this course, I guess, first of all, and then, and then what can they expect? That's an interesting question because we've had all different types of people from beginners who have never done it before and kind of want that step-by-step guide to experienced people who maybe want to find those one or two deeper tweaks, more advanced things that they can do to kind of take it to the next level. And both people have really found value because, you know, it's a it's a ten module course, and 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 we really provide a framework for how to go from, you know, naming and branding your your show and finding your audience all the way to monetization strategies. But I think the bigger part of the course that that people really love is the community. And there's an incredible we do it on Facebook. It's a Facebook community, and it's just a great place for support for ideas for, you know, obviously for, for getting ratings and reviews from people who know how to do that, which, as we know, can sometimes be a challenge <laughs> when we're launching a new show. And then also the continuing education, because we do every other week, 
we'll do a Q&A or some type of seminar in there uh, where people can get really detailed answers to, to specific questions they're facing. Because obviously with a course, you know, you put a general curriculum out there, but then as people get into it, they have specific questions to their audience and to, to their situation. And some of it is relatable enough that, that you know, you can have a big community discussion about it. But people also just want specific advice from people who have been there. And Johnny and I have both been through a lot when it comes to podcasting. And so I think we're able to provide those answers. Um, and it's interesting because I, you know, I don't know when this episode will actually come out. The, the course, we open it for like a week or two at a time. And so it's closing down on August 14th. And we're not exactly sure when we're going to reopen it. But for anybody who's interested, I would say just email me, jared at copyblogger.com or send me a tweet at Jared Morris because we, we won't be reopening it for a while because we really like to keep it closed and work with the people that we have in there. Um, but we do have the opportunity to you know, kind of allow people in on, on maybe a, a, you know, an individual basis you know, based on kind of where they're at and if it would really be a good fit. So you know, if anybody's interested in that or if anybody just has questions about anything, you know, probably it's probably one of my faults <laughs> that I'll, I will always, always engage you know, via email or Twitter about this stuff because I love talking about it and I love... You know, I, I had a meeting with someone today just over coffee who was telling me about you know, her new idea for a podcast that's going to be used to help promote this business that, that she has. And you know, she was just you know, she was thanking me for my time and, and for, you know, for sitting there and talking with her. And I was like, no, thank you. you know, I, because reconnecting with the enthusiasm and the fear and the trepidation and the excitement and all of those emotions that you have at the beginning of a show project, you know, I think sometimes we lose that when we get deep into our show. And I think that's part of the reason why podcasts stop connecting with the audience because they just don't have that kinetic feverish energy feeling that they have at the beginning. And so for me, especially with people who are new getting into it, I love being there to see that and to talk with them and to feel just kind of that raw emotion and fear because as much as we can when we're experienced and down the road in our projects, we have to remember to tap back into that because I think that's what keeps it fresh and exciting and vibrant for the audience. Um, so anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying I'm always happy to <laughs> talk about any of this stuff, you know, on a show, in email, whatever. Um, I just, it's really, it's fun and it's invigorating for me as someone who has five different shows and constantly kind of goes through the ebb and flow of, I'm excited. This is a beast that needs to be fed. I'm excited. You know, like it just, that's just yeah. how it is. But again, the more that you can connect with the real reason why you're doing this, the better you're going to be and the better you're going to connect with your audience. Yeah. yeah. And this episode will air to, or go out today on August 12th as of the recording. So they'll have a couple of days of the oh, sweet. Initial, yeah. initial list or whatever to go or subscribers to go uh, check out the course. Uh, Rainmaker.fm slash showrunner is the, there's probably a, another domain, but. Yeah. Or people on. can just go to showrunnercourse.com. It's probably go. the easiest. Yeah. And, uh, and check it out. 595 to get in and assuming that's sort of like indefinite access, mm -hmm. right? And then you get updated material and then access to the to uh, the community. Yep, like so all the continuing education. Yeah, and we're actually, that will change. Whenever we do reopen it, there will be a recurring fee for the continuing education, the community part. But right now, it's one-time price forever. You get, as long as the course is around, you get everything that's ever added to it. So Yeah, which again, definitely, if you're uh, at all keen on maybe like, I think especially newcomers but or again just like we were saying before with the Rainmaker platform and things like that this course is a great way to just sort of kickstart and sort of almost jump the queue in a sense and 
save yourself a whole bunch of time having to find the information because there's lots everybody knows there's tons of free information out there but getting like a polished well put together course i haven't seen it so i'm (laughs) speaking out of uh, ignorance i guess but i'm assuming knowing that what the folks behind this are who they are and and the quality they stand for that uh yeah, getting it all in one place and being able to just access that in, and as well as the community that you're going to be getting integrated with and, and learning alongside is invaluable. Because you can put out a question on Twitter, even like I have, uh, what, I don't know, 1,500 followers or something. I can put out a question. I might get a response. but And I can Google stuff and find stuff that's from 2013 or 2015 or 2008, and you don't really know if it's current. But something like that, a community where you can just post the question and you'll get a, an answer within a day or whatever the the time frame is, but from people down in the trenches like you is kind of invaluable and saves you a ton of yeah. time. I know for me getting going in this thing. So it does. Cool. Well, yeah, no, thank you for, thank you for the faith. And I think, I hope, I hope anybody who goes there would find that what you just, what you just described is accurate. So that's, that's certainly our goal. And if I'm a liar, then you get 30 days to, to get your money back. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me know, I guess. And we'll, <laughs> but yeah, there is that as well. So don't, uh, don't just take my word for it. Go try it out yourself. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, I think podcasting, uh, just like I was saying with working for yourself, podcasting itself can be this medium where you feel like you're a part of a community, but it's sometimes you can feel like you're completely alone broadcast talking to thousands of people but nobody <laughs> for a single tear going down my face nobody's sitting in the room with you or whatever right. um and so things like this i think are great helps and you may not need it right now but in six months when you're ready to ditch your podcast but even though it's going really well something like this can really help i think to give you that kick in the pants or or leg up to keep going so um before I end the the episode, one of the things I ask all the guests is uh, what podcasts you listen to and the apps that you listen to them with. So I'll give you a chance, Jared, to go. I don't know if you have your podcast player of choice handy, or maybe you just have your podcast player list memorized or something. But <laughs> uh, I do, yeah. So I have an Android, so I do not use iTunes, uh, but I use. I've cycled through several apps on Android, and I found that I like Podcast Republic the best. I know a lot of Android people use Stitcher, and I know there's some other ones out there that you can pay for that I probably should use. But I'm on Podcast Republic, and I just don't want to move off of it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fair enough. So I'm sticking with it, and it works for me. And you know, obviously, I I spend a lot of time listening to our shows at Rainmaker FM because we've got about 15, 16 shows on there, and and you know, I like keeping tabs. And we have a lot of smart people, and so. I really enjoy listening to those shows, but when I'm not listening to the Rainmaker FM shows, you know, as I look down here, Art of Charm is one by Jordan Harbinger that I've been getting into a lot more. He spoke at Podcast Movement, and I kind of thought that this is going to sound bad. My impression was that it was kind of going to be this like douchey show. You know what I mean? Like uh, I don't know. Remember that old VH1 show, The Pickup Artist, with that weird guy mystery and teaching people how to like pick up chicks and right. stuff. Like, yeah. I guess, I, I don't know why. It was, it's my own silly preconceived notions. And I'm glad that I actually gave it a chance because it's not like that. And it's really useful and really interesting. And so, you know, that I, I like to get away from the interviews and the business stuff and listen to some good story podcasts, you know. So, I mean, obviously, I love the, the NPR shows. I started listening to Mystery, which is a new show from Gimlet. Um, you know, that startup, a lot of those. So I, mean, I could spend all day kind of going through here. But those are those are some of the new ones, especially um, that I've gotten into. Nice. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I had, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, so I apologize, but uh, I don't have it from me. One of the guys who's helping edit Art of Charm actually on a couple episodes back. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that if you're curious at all about how some of the behind the scenes stuff maybe works with that podcast. But um, yeah, it's it's good. And Jordan is a really good guy. And yeah, so if you have any silly preconceived notions like I have, especially with that show, I urge you to give it a shot because it's likely to turn those notions around and give you a lot of value. Yeah, Jason DeFilippio. Filippio? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's what Yeah. Anyways, he's uh, working as an editor in production with them as well. So that's episode 93 of Show Me Your Mic. A few episodes back, but I'll put a link in the show notes for this one so you can find that if you so desire. Um, yeah, and that's a, that's a tough thing in the, this, I was going to say a racket <laughs> of podcasting where you do kind of like wonder where a podcast's motivation, and even to be honest, like a show like with Rainmaker and stuff where there's there is a dollar, a thing that people are trying to sell you. Mm-hmm. It is hard to sometimes know whether you're getting into a podcast is because you want to listen to the content or because you're going to get pitched stuff all the time. And, and yep. there's nothing wrong with inherently wrong with selling things to people as part of what you're doing, but yeah, whether it's, and, and that's, I, I guess with, to, to let folks know, like with the showrunner podcast, it's definitely not like 45 minutes of here's how to buy the showrunner. <laughs> right. It's surprisingly limited in terms of how much it's pitched. It's, you know, in the show notes, links and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. We really, I mean, and that was something that's something that we do consciously because as soon as we launched the course, we thought, you know, people are going to think that we're just doing the podcast for the course, but we want the podcast to stand alone and to provide incredible value. And we'd rather go overboard revealing too much on the podcast than, you know, this notion of holding stuff back because that there's just no real point in doing that. Because like I said, the majority of the value from the course is, again, yes, there is value in the lessons and the information that's provided, but it's so much more than that. And I think what I love about podcasting and just audio as a medium it's a naked medium, meaning I think when you've got someone's voice in your ear, you can tell if they really love the topic, you know, and if they're showing up every week or whatever their schedule is and they're there and they're producing something really good for you, you can tell that they care just by how they're talking, you know, whether they're selling something or not, you know, they're doing it because they want to help. They want to take someone on a journey like we talked about at the beginning, you know, help be a part of that transformation. And, you can't, you, you just can't hide it in your voice. You know, like yeah. your voice is either going to have that enthusiasm or it's not. And I love that because I feel as a listener, it really allows you to know who's being real with you, who's being authentic with you, and whose motivations may not be because they authentically love their topic and want to connect with an audience over it. Um, and it's just, it, it's why I love this medium and why apparently I can't stop launching shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a common uh, disease or issue that we all yeah. struggle with, I think. So <laughs> it is. Certainly. Which actually yeah. brings me to one segment or a thing I forgot to do a little early in the show, but this is a perfect segue, uh, is uh, I had a listener question. Who, he emailed me directly, which just like you, I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. And in as much as it helps me, like, just know there's somebody listening, <laughs> if somebody sends me an email, <laughs> it's a half the battle, but, um, I'll just read it out and then we'll, you can, you and I can sort of riff on the, the answer here, but he said, my name's Blake Stratton. First off, thanks so much for your work with good stuff. I've been trying to step up my podcasting game and show me your mic has been helpful and inspiring. So thanks Blake for that. First of all, always start your email with a compliment that works <laughs> works yes. wonders. Um, his question is, I'm actually in the process of launching a podcast network. I've produced several individual podcasts before, but the network thing is a first. I know it's good stuff has a dedicated page in iTunes. How does that happen? Um, 
so first of all, like the podcast network idea, um, collecting a group of shows. I know some folks in the podcasting world, Dan Benjamin, one of them is, you know, podcast networks have kind of been sort of uh, on the rise and then on the fall. And I, in 2015, it's hard to say whether it's, a, I don't think it makes, there isn't a huge business sense to like start a podcast if network, if you're just starting out, like yeah. just do a show and then see what kind of audience you get. And don't worry about, like I said earlier, don't worry about having to transfer your show from somewhere to somewhere else. If all of a sudden you do get this massive audience and, and you want to start a network of shows and things like that, that's all doable down the road. Don't, don't spin your wheels at the beginning, trying to figure all that out. Um, but the other reason why, and the reason why we do good stuff this way, and I mean, we started a year and a bit ago, but, um, it's just, it's fun to do with, with friends. And so if that's your motivation, then yeah, by all means do this. And it's, it's a great way to collect things. It's a great way to sort of have this, a bit of a community and a platform to collectively jump off of together. Um, but I don't think, yeah, in, in a business sense, and I don't know, uh, Blake's motivation or whatever, he doesn't spell that out, but that's, um, one thing I'll just preface that as far as a podcast network goes, but anyways, the dedicated page in iTunes, um, I know for us, it was a matter of reaching out to Apple and I think even in their podcast su- uh, submission form, they mention it, but basically if you have a few shows and you want to collect them all together, they will put together a page for you. And, but in typical Apple fashion, there isn't any sort of rhyme or reason why they do it and don't yeah. do it. And they don't always give you a response back when they don't. And, but once you do, they do set you up with an access to be able to configure that page. And I'm sure Rainmaker is the same. Um, mm-hmm. And so once you are approved for that, it's, there is some extra nice little perks as far as stats and, and stuff that iTunes, Apple feeds you, I guess, through there. But um, I know I, I applied back when I was running a podcast network on my own and had just as many shows as I do now or it was we do now on good stuff and just got nothing, no response. And then with good stuff, we did it and it worked and they approved us and we were off and running. So I don't know if you have anything to add there, Jared, but that's sort of been our experience. Yeah. Our experience was the same. And in terms of the network, I would just say, you know, I would have very clearly defined reasons why you're doing a network. You know, I think the default should be, you know, Launch, especially if you're new, launch a show, build an audience instead of trying to spread your, you know, your focus widely among many different audiences because you're never going to build a group of audiences unless you can build one first. And that is hard enough to do yeah. distracted. So there are definitely you know, legitimate reasons to do a network and a lot of it's going to fit with your goals. But I just think, again, it's, it's, it shouldn't be the default. And I know a lot of times we have these grand visions and we have these big ideas. You know, I want to create this network. And I mean, shoot, you know, I've got this kind of grand vision that I want to create a post-game show like the Assembly Call for every sports team out there because there's got to be some crazy fans like me for every team that could do this and build an audience around it. Yeah. But to do that, first, I've got to build the audience myself. And now we've got, you know, a guy that was working with me on the assembly calls now building one for the Chicago Bears to kind of see if it can, if that idea can extend. And so you got to, you know, take baby steps and really make sure that you're engaging with that one audience before you spread it too thin. Um, Because I do think that people who haven't done this, and I know I did when I first, you know, started my first podcast, think it's going to be a little bit easier to really get that engaged audience than it is. It's not. It's simple. I mean, it's just show up, you know, show up, show up reliably, show up reliably over time and and deliver authentic, useful content and you will build an audience. But it is a real commitment and you've got to really be focused on it and you've got to really care. And I think if you're 
all worried about building a network and doing all these other things before you build that first audience, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So just again, you know, and, and the answer to that question is going to be different to everybody based on their specific situation. But I think in general, that applies to most, most of the people who have asked me about a podcast network, that answer has applied to. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, if you're hearing us both be a little negative on it, even though we are in the midst of a, this kind of sounds like <laughs> two guys who are part of a podcast networks saying, don't do a podcast network. It's, it's more that there, we recognize now in hindsight, the amount of work that went into mm-hmm. getting that just the all the stuff, just like we were talking about with Rainmaker as a platform, but the stuff you have to deal with and um, financials and emailing back and forth, agreeing on a podcast network logo, for example, and you know, and not saying Blake isn't a smart guy who's got this all figured out already, but just I know that that it's kind of like stars in your eyes as far as how it's going to be, and and there is just a lot of time you spend um, in deliberation about stuff that has nothing to do with actually creating a podcast, and and again, just figuring out why you're doing this and what you want to do. And if you want to spend 25 to 60% of your time managing a podcast network, then that's by all means do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, but maybe, yeah, start off with one show and it is really easy to move shows around these days. Uh, I mean, you want to hit the right buttons at the right times and all that kind of stuff, but it is possible certainly to do so. Anyways, I don't want to discourage somebody too much, but (laughs) maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you're catching me at the wrong time. Too many emails about whatever with podcast networks these days. Um, and one thing I forgot to ask you, the name of the show, what what mic are you using, Jared? <laughs> uh, right now, I am using the Rode Podcaster mic. Nice. Uh, considering gonna... upgrading to a different one, it's, you know, it's older. It's four or five years old, but it's still, it's still doing, doing me well. So, Yeah, it works great for uh, the YouTube Hangouts then too, right? Uh, get mm-hmm. Google Hangouts right into the computer and away you go, so... Awesome. Yes, exactly. Cool. And um, I was going to mention the last, I think the episode 20 of the Shoner podcast, you talked a bit about, or where did I see that? Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong episode, but there's an episode you talked about some of your production stuff that you're doing, mm-hmm. both like sort of Rainmaker, but also Showrunner. So I'll link to that as well for folks who want to listen a little bit more in depth as to how some of the show is put together and things like that, right? Is, am I remembering things correctly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. I think, yeah, I think that's the answer to the listener question in the most recent episode. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll put that link. And anything else that you want to mention, Jared, as far as where folks can find you, follow you on the internet? Um, showrunner.fm is the place to follow the Showrunner podcast. And you can tweet me at Jared Morris anytime. And other than that, all I would say is to anybody who is thinking about launching a show, maybe a little bit afraid, maybe not quite sure if you should, do it. You know, understand that at the beginning, it's not going to be perfect. I think Roman Mars at Podcast Movement, the, the guy behind 99% Invisible said, you know, everybody's got 100 hours of awful audio inside of them. So get it out, get past it, <laughs> you know. And I think it's true. I mean, you know, I, I know I'll talk to people they'll hear me share my experiences and you know see me at a more advanced stage in terms of podcasting and they forget you know they haven't heard that very first episode of that first sports podcast which was awful and that was it was a really powerful moment of podcast movement pat flynn during his keynote he had his very first podcast episode play during his keynote and it was exactly what you would expect it to be you know it's kind of awkward it's kind of tentative there's no real like plan for it. And apparently that first episode came out and they didn't do another one for like two years, you know, but it was that first one. He took that first step and there's a chance that podcasting may not be for you. It, you know, it's just, it's not for everybody and not everybody can make the commitment. Not everybody loves the medium and the actual process of creation. 
but you won't know until you try. And if you do, and if it is for you, and you can build a connection with an audience, it's something that you will absolutely cherish and love. And it can literally change your life and change your business because I've seen it happen. So that's just kind of my, you know, to end on a positive with anybody who's thinking about doing it, you don't need to have everything figured out. In fact, you shouldn't have everything figured out. You just need to have a love for a topic and an idea to get something started and start putting it out there and see where it goes because ultimately it could take you someplace pretty great. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's great. I'm ready to go start a new podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too, which is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, the, that's if anything, that's the problem with a podcast network is like, now I've got all the systems in place. I just have to hit a button and start a new show more yeah. or less. But uh, yeah, that's the danger, I guess, of having a podcast network that you can play with. But uh, yeah. no, <laughs> thanks, Jared, for, for coming on the show. And it was great to chat with you. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you've inspired a few folks to step out. And then hopefully more folks will also check out the show on our podcast and Rainmaker as a platform. Rainmaker Maker.fm as a platform, potentially, if you've got a podcast that you're looking to take to the next level and, and bring a bit of community and marketing and business stuff along with it. Um, I think I mentioned earlier uh, the link to this episode as being 119. I actually got a little ahead of myself. It's 97. Somehow I jumped. I think I was thinking my daily show, which is further ahead. Uh, yeah. But goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 97 is where you can find all the links to everything we've discussed in this show. My thanks to you, uh, FeedPress, for being a sponsor of this episode. Be sure to visit them at feed.press slash dailyish and use coupon code dailyish for 10% off your first year of hosting and or feed analytics for your podcast or blog. And you can also check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash iChris, if you want to support what I'm doing here a little more directly with a couple bucks a month. More on that on my daily show if you want, goodstuff.fm slash dailyish. I think that's it. So I'll just mention good stuff. Underscore FM is the Twitter. Ca- no, sorry. We got rid of the underscore. Good stuff. NFM is the Twitter account for good stuff. I'm I, Chris. Show me your mic has its own Twitter account. SMYM underscore FM. And you can always email me, Chris at goodstuff.fm. If you have questions for the show or just want to send me a message, that's where you can do so. I think that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.